Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today, I have Jennifer Joswiak, and she is a human and animal intuitive. What she loves most about this work is the ability to help people and their animals in a very unique way. Her goal is to create a sacred space in which awareness, transformation, and growth can take place. Jennifer views each session as an opportunity to be in service to love, joy, and possibility, allowing the highest good to unfold. So thanks, Jennifer, for joining us today. Thanks, Mary Kay. I'm happy to be here with you. And the funny thing is, because I was going to talk to Jennifer today, all of my animals decided to show up and they're (laughs) sitting here in the background. So you might hear a little bit of snorting, but I didn't even want to swish them away because I thought they know you're here. (laughs) I love that. I really do. (laughs) I get that a lot, actually. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that they say, oh, this one usually is laying over here, but here they are. They're coming in to... I know they just support me and to be in the energy. Yeah. And they started racing around and playing. And I was like, what is this about? But you know what I find interesting is I have often believed animals communicate telepathically and actually credit horseback riding for helping me get over being painfully shy. And I know it's kind of hard to believe painfully shy kid has a podcast, but they really helped give me that confidence that for whatever reason I wasn't getting in school. So tell me about how you first discovered the power of your own intuition and especially with animals. Well, ironically, around the same time I started to discover the power of how much your thoughts can change your life, I guess. So it was sort of rolled into one. It was Around the passing of my dog, Oliver, which ironically, it's his birthday today. You're kidding. I know. There's no coincidences, Mary Kay. I know. I I love that we had this chance to talk today, and it's his birthday. So his passing was really difficult for my husband and myself, and it converged at a time when I was having a number of health issues and one of those situations where you're constantly trying to find out what's going on and you're not getting answers and there's all of these symptoms and where is this going and so it was one of those times in your life and I think we all are familiar with them where it just seems like everything's converging and so how this ties into my intuition is that I was seeing a particular practitioner I was referred to yet another person who this one was really going to be the one to help and they were really hard to get into and there was a waiting list and so I was like, oh, this is great. And I started going and it, nothing about it felt right. <laughs> the energy of the whole thing was like, it just didn't feel right. You uh-huh. know, One of those things that you're just picking up like, God, this isn't a good fit. And I kept going, of course, because they were hard to get into and they were recommended and right. all of these things. Right. And so fast forward a few sessions, I keep seeing this woman and I happened to be talking with a somatic practitioner I was working with because I had a whole crew of people. <laughs> Healers, you lined them up. Yes, exactly. So the somatic practitioner, we're talking about some things that are coming up for me and anxiety. And I burn up that I'm seeing this woman and that I'm kind of anxious when I go. And she's like, well, why is that? And so I'm mentioning it, and she says, well, do you want to see her anymore? And I said, well, she's highly recommended, and she was really hard to get into, and everybody says she's the best. And 
this woman said to me, well, I didn't really ask you for her resume, (laughs) but I'm asking you, do you want to see her? And what I want you to do before you answer again is I want you to get really quiet and I want you to tune into what's going on in your body when I ask you this the next time. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So she asked me again, and I'm telling you what, Mary Kay, it came out of me with this force. I'm like, I never want to see her again. (laughs) (laughs) It was like like the exorcist or something. It came out of me so strong. And I was almost shocked myself, just the strength of it. And Mm -hmm. she said, I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't see her again. (laughs) (laughs) And we sort of laughed about it. Uh But why that was so powerful for me was... The next part of the conversation with her revolved around all of those things I was saying. I said, well, but what would I do? And I wasn't sure who I'd see. And she was supposed to be so good. And Mm -hmm. the woman said to me, well, ironically, the fact that we took the time to talk about this, I actually know someone who I've worked with and she's actually a friend and she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe she won't be a fit either, but I'd be happy to refer you to her. Mm -hmm. And it was the piece that really started to make a difference for me in some of these health problems. Mm -hmm. And why I take the time to share that is because it was a very impactful moment for me that I realized that I was getting intuition about this person not being a fit, but I was so afraid to listen to that because of the reasons we all can get caught up in is, well, who would I go to and what would I do? And Mm -hmm. this is the person that I'm working with. And seeing how that transferred to a multitude of areas in my life where I wasn't listening to what I was knowing to be true. I was listening to other voices externally, Mm -hmm. thinking that they were the expert in my life. And how this tied in with, with animals was that I started to see that I had been not listening to these things all along. I was, you know, hearing things, knowing things, discounting them. And I started working with an animal communicator for my own purposes of helping my animals because they had illness and some issues. Mm -hmm. And so I was familiar with the woman that I'd been working with and I started taking her classes. And things just started to unfold after that in a very rapid way. Mm-hmm. I think mainly because I started to listen. <laughs> so right. It's sort of a crazy thing. If you actually work that muscle and actually give it time and attention instead of turning away from it, mm-hmm. your life can really start to shift. And that was what happened for me, really, was just starting to really listen to those inner knowings instead of thinking something external to me should help me, direct me, fix me, all of those things. Right. So, a long answer, but it was a pivotal story that I really was the foundation of where the ship started to turn for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that, like just go through the motions, check the box, listen to other people that seem more experienced or an authority. And we don't listen to ourselves anymore. I think that when we're younger, we tend to listen to our intuition and go with that, you know, that friend seems right and follow her lead and then some point as we get to be an adult, we stop listening to that, you know? Yeah, I think you're so right on that, Mary Kay, because when we come in to this world, we're singing our own song. When you mm-hmm. see young children, they're very unafraid of expressing themselves and mm-hmm. listening to that. And they just have this freedom. And very soon, just life as we know it trains that out of them. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a multitude of things. It's the voice of our parents or society or our religion or the way Mm -hmm. we're supposed to do things. And slowly that magic can be lost because we are just starting to, I call it living someone else's life. It's this idea of, well, this is what I do at this stage, and this is what I do now, and now I do this. And Mm -hmm. it's this idea of really having a life that's externally directed instead of internally driven. And Mm -hmm. I love Wayne Dyer and his work, and I always think of the phrase he used to say was, don't die with your magic still in you. Oh, I love that. that That's really the thing that I say in the second half of life. And more and more, I think young people are realizing it sooner. I think this next generation of young people are are seeing that in their, even in their late 20s, saying, wait a second, do I want to sign up for this life that exists and this and this? But I think typically it was in that midlife time frame where we start to think about, I've accumulated this, I've checked the boxes and something's Mm -hmm. missing. And I think for me, that culmination was really um, the point where that was stepping in the forefront to say, it's really time to start looking at things very differently. And noticing that the thoughts that you have, the beliefs that are tied to them, the things that you think you have to do, mm-hmm. that none of that's really true. So yeah, I think young yeah. people know it right away, but we lose it. So it's how can we get it back? I know. Our truth. I had a recent experience where my son had gotten this great job offer. And for whatever reason, he decided not to take it. He just said, I have this feeling that in New York, I'll have better opportunities. So he declined this great job offer. My dad was so mad at me. He's like, as a parent, you've got to tell him to take these things. And he was going on and on. And I said, no, dad, I let my kids trust their intuition. And I don't question him. I mean, he has great intuition on people and situations. And sure enough, within a month, he had a much better job offer because my dad was like, well, he can always say I got that job offer on his resume. (laughs) That was that generation always telling us what we had to do to make money and to be able to provide for yourselves. And people were stuck in jobs they didn't really have any passion about. I think what you said there is so true is that when we start listening to our intuition, Mm-hmm. which isn't the fear-based emotional voice, because that one talks really loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> the voice of intuition is usually a very calm voice that doesn't have that emotional element tied to it. Mm-hmm. It's just a do this, or you get an urge of this would be good to do, or this would be the choice. And why I think the story you just shared is so important is that when we listen to that, we're stepping out on faith because the analytical mind wants to say, well, I don't know, the better job looks over here, and this pays better, and this looks like a sure thing. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea that we don't know what's going to happen next, but the universe that's giving us these urges and these guidings and these little nudges does know. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how I like to call it the GPS for your life is because when you listen to that, you know, you might not understand why moving to Atlanta would be a good idea when all these opportunities are in Seattle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this urge that says Atlanta's the place to go. Right. You listen to it, and then all of a sudden, within the first two months, everything unfolds perfectly for what you were looking for. And it's this idea that that first step is that leap of faith. But I have found that as you start to partner with listening to your intuition and giving it voice and following the directives, you start to gain confidence like you do with anything. Mm -hmm. Because you've seen the fruit of that produce 
what it is you want, which is what do we all want? We want more peace, <laughs> more freedom, more love, more happiness, feeling of safety and security, all of these things. Right, right. We just are often going about trying to get them in a way that isn't working, you know. So how can people develop their own intuition? Are there any strategies that you think they could well, use? I really started with, and it may seem like, how would this be connected? But I feel that part of what's missing when we start trying to hear our intuition is like briefly when I was talking about all these other voices that we're hearing, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of self-doubt. And sometimes there's a lot of just doubt that we have within us to our life without all of these outside forces putting their influence in, if that makes sense. It was ironic that this came up because it was not really tied to intuition seemingly, but I think it was the piece for me that was the foundation. It was work from Louise Hay. If you're familiar with Louise yes. Hay's work, she's really known for these affirmation statements and mm -hmm. mirror work specifically. And her mirror work is such that you, as it sounds, you're in the looking in the mirror and you're saying these things mm -hmm. and you're saying them to yourself. And I'm telling you what, Mary Kay, when I started doing that, I mostly started because I felt like it was the easiest thing I could do to move the needle in my life because mm -hmm. I thought, well, I at least can do this, right? Right. <laughs> because it was this time where I was really suffering. Mm -hmm. And to sit there and look in the mirror and say, I love you, Jenny. And these sort of things, you're like, oh my gosh, it is really hard to do. You're looking at yourself. You're noticing everything that's coming up that does not feel that way. You're even looking at yourself and saying, oh, there's a line here. There, <laughs> or, <laughs> My nose is crooked or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so why I'm tying that to how people can get started is that there's often a lot of negativity in the way of even viewing ourselves as someone who has what it takes to successfully navigate this life. Right. I really think that we all have some of that to work through before we start gaining this trust. And so for mm -hmm. me, that was an important part. Now, I think maybe that wouldn't be for everybody, but at minimum, I think a five to 10 minute sort of daily practice where you're quieting yourself in sort of meditative way and you're thinking about, what am I thinking about myself that is holding me back from really realizing that I have the power to craft the life I'd like to live, right? right? So that's another way to do the same thing that Louise Hayes work did for me, which was to remind yourself that really you do have it within you. And these negative thoughts that you're thinking about yourself, those can be changed. And so whether it was through mirror work or through the meditative journal process, I think it's the first step to see like what could be that's blocking me from really trusting these gut instincts. Well, it's or even so true. Them. So true. Because any time I think about when anxiety blocks us from manifesting, it blocks us from being able to trust your intuition. And even something simple, like with every exhale, I release all negativity from my body in front of the mirror every morning, yes. I think yes. makes total sense to be able to let go of that yeah. anxiety so you can really hear that intuitive voice. And I think the thing, Mary Kay, that surprised me so much about it was that it, there was resistance to doing it. But when I did it, which, you know, it, this is simple. Anybody can do that. Take mm -hmm. the time to do it five minutes. I was shocked by the difference it was making in my life. And I was also shocked by the idea at this time when I was discovering all this, that whether I realized it or not, I had a 
steady stream of affirmations playing all day and they sounded like oh this problem will never get better and mm -hmm. no one can heal this issue i have mm -hmm. that tape was playing pretty regularly mm -hmm. right <laughs> it wasn't really until louise hayes work pointed that out to me which was really powerful that i thought wait a second i'm stating beliefs all the time they're just ones that aren't taking me in the direction I want to go. <laughs> right no. you don't have it's a like, problem <laughs> try that exactly <laughs> exactly i think there's just a lot of people for which the idea that their problems their issues whatever their concerns are they're so used to stating them in concrete terms mm -hmm. that it takes a bit of a leap to say i know that these are the circumstances that are showing up right now but if you're not speaking about them in the terms of what you would like to see happen which is health and healing are my birthright health and healing are happening now i'm feeling mm -hmm. better and better if you're not stating them in any positive terms you're just perpetuating the continuation of even if this particular problem goes away, you're bringing another one to you because your consciousness is constantly on. I'm not strong enough to overcome this. Mm -hmm. This is my disease. This is my label. So I think for me, it was really powerful to see that you're not denying what's happening in this moment, but what mm -hmm. you're claiming is that in the next moment, there's the possibility that this is moving away from your experience. Right. Well, your blog is really great, and you talk about compassion. How does compassion help you stop judging others? Well, the way I like to think about compassion is right away to move it away from any religious term, because I think sometimes we think that that's in the realm of just people. But I think compassion is like the Dalai Lama says, this is human business. Yeah, <laughs> this is how we are to be with one another. And mm -hmm. I think that to me, how it can help you to stop judging is that I like to think of the fact that I don't know somebody's circumstance. I might be seeing a behavior. I might be seeing something to me that looks maybe not the best choice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe downright like this is something that, you know, is bad, you know, wow, this is hurtful. So it's taking in that moment to see what could be going on for this person that they would be behaving this way. Mm -hmm. Because very often it's that hurt people, hurt people type of idea is that it doesn't excuse or take away from the fact that when someone does something, there might be sanctions for that or jail time or all of those things still would be a possibility. But I think the difference is that making the person only about this dastardly deed or this terrible thing that they did or mm -hmm. defining them as that. And I think the compassionate piece is to see that we're all humans. None of us are perfect. And this idea that, well, you're wrong is worse than something I've done. I think it's missing the boat, really, because mm -hmm. I think what it's really about is that we're all in this together. Right. And if you reduce somebody only to their worst deed, then what I think we fail to see is that in some way we're doing that to ourselves and being unable to forgive ourselves for small things we've done because we want to keep people on the hook for you know, what they've done wrong, yeah, right. what they've, where they've messed up. And I think that right now is <clears throat> is a time that, you know, I'm not sure if we've ever seen more of this than ever. It's this cancel culture. It's this idea of, right. um, you know, if, if destroying you people wrong, over something, destroying small. their entire career over right. it, and, you know, oh, yeah. defining them entirely by that. And 
I feel very strongly that it's it's the wrong way to be going about it. I think that there's a difference again between holding people accountable and by making the entire definition of that person the wrong that they've done. Mm-hmm. I just think I just think it's the wrong direction for us because I don't see a path forward for healing mm-hmm. this country and our lives individually if we don't start bringing more understanding to people in that, you know, you messed up and there might be consequences mm-hmm. and whatnot, but I'm not going to cancel every good thing you've ever done right. because you did this thing. I mean, that's just my way that I look at it. Right. I certainly know there are many others who are, do not look at it that I way. know. I saw so many young people in colleges get completely destroyed, expelled from school over something that was what I thought was a conversation. <laughs> so I do think that's creating a lot of more negativity, but hopefully developing compassion and realizing it makes these mistakes. It's a blip on the radar and to work through it or have a conversation. And I I think, interestingly enough, when bringing in the animal piece of this interesting and talk with compassion is that I think it's one of the biggest reasons that people, you know, their relationships with their animals rank among the top relationships in their life. No, without question. The animals bring to us this unconditional love, support, compassion, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I talk to many people who didn't have that. They grew up and felt alone, Mm -hmm. or there was abuse in their background or neglect, Mm -hmm. or for whatever reason, they just didn't feel understood. And animals became for them a way to have someone who understood them, who was there unconditionally and who loved them without question. And I think that that's one of the major gifts that, that animals are bringing us all the time. And the thing that they tell me very often is that their work with people in those types of situations is to help that person gain trust so that they can then start to extend that to humans again. Right. That they give them that soft place to land in an effort of moving again towards people so that they can slowly start bringing that back into their lives. And I think that's really beautiful because it's part of the reason why we all are so drawn to just quiet time. Right, right. Favorite animal companion, you know. Right. Well, tell us about some interesting client stories that stand out like messages that you've received from animals to tell their... Yeah, sure. I would say that the most poignant success stories that stand out to me revolve around people feeling so much relief hearing that the way their animal passed, that they're not mad about it or concerned that it went the way it went. I talked to an awful lot of people who... Did I choose the right time to have the animal put down? Did I wait too long? Should I have done this treatment because it was a possibility and we didn't? Or the animal passed and they, the human wasn't there. And mm-hmm. so they feel guilty because they weren't, they weren't there. there with them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very pleased to report <laughs> to those people <laughs> when we have the reading. And uh-huh. it's not really me reporting it. It's the animals reporting it. Mm-hmm. But they never hold any of that in judgment against us. And they also orchestrate all of it. So not only do they orchestrate the method in which they're going to transition, but they also choose who's going to be there. This is very similar to you were here with humans who everybody was keeping vigil at the bedside and they step out to use the restroom and 
get a snack and all of a sudden mom passes, you know, right, right. and they've been there for vigil for, you know, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And so the animals have shared this also is that they orchestrate who's going to be there. And I remember one story in particular, the woman was just very upset because she would have moved heaven and earth for this animal as far as surgeries and procedures and mm-hmm. all of these things, because he was diagnosed with something in which the vet was offering sort of an array of things that could be done. Mm -hmm. And the dog was very clear. And he said, exactly, you would have. And I was not about to have you spend all that money. It was my time and I was ready to go. And you weren't going to be doing that. I don't want you to do that. Mm -hmm. So he was very clear that choosing so was that he was well aware that you would have spent all that money. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, you had these plans, you wanted to go back to school, and I want you to do that. I'm still going to be with you and support you, and mm-hmm. I'm not really gone, but no, no way was I going to let you do that. Mm-hmm. So she she was shocked by that, but she said, well, that would be true to who he was because she said he was just always supporting her. So that's the type of thing that I think really stands out to me as far as messages is that it's one that really gives people so much relief to hear that not only are their animals over there okay they're still with them but that they they don't hold any judgment about any of that Mm -hmm. and they just don't have any issue about death at all it's a very human thing that we have about releasing the body and how that's going to be or fearing it Um, that's a good point you had told me it was viewed as a new adventure for them Yes, this they do. Oftentimes the image that they give me, and I can't remember, this may have came through with you, and I, is they're going off on the boat. You're on the shore and they're waving and they're like, bye. And they're excited. It's like this, <laughs> this bon voyage type of a thing, mm-hmm. like you'd see in the old movies where the people were leaving on the steamboat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, they really just don't have any apprehension about it. And truly the animals never lose their connection to spirit and truth while they're here anyway. So they Mm -hmm. see and feel the presence of spirit quite easily. So you'll often sometimes see your animals staring at something and you think, well, what are they looking at? There's nothing there. It's like, well, there is, but they're they're picking it up and and we don't. And I should tell our audience that I spoke to you, I met you because uh, my French bulldog named Mo. She has cancer, and it's really hard to know what to put your dog through. And what was really helpful that you had said to me, she has her half sister, Pearl, and you told me that Pearl knows she's dying, and that she said that Pearl's going to let you know that she's with us still, that she's always there, and you'll be able to tell by Pearl's reaction that she might be there. So I thought that was really interesting and insightful because Pearl does often stare at things, and we're like, what, what is she looking at and trying to communicate to some things? So I do think that they see this invisible world that we don't always see. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other part of it that is enjoyable for people to hear is that they continue to work with us from the other side. Many times the animals will talk about wanting their human to start doing like an automatic writing type of thing when they've passed and communicate with them that way and just sit and have a conversation with them. And they encourage that very often. And I've had good reports back from clients saying, it felt a little awkward at first, but I have to say, as I continued it, I thought, that didn't really come from me. I feel that came from Jake or whoever. It really feels like he's talking to me. 
And so they've brought up a lot of interesting ways that they are still here supporting people. And I think that gives people a lot of joy also because it's just a reminder that they are just on the other side of the veil. And while we aren't seeing their physical body anymore, that they really haven't went anywhere. And so we just love them so much and they mean so much to us to get Mm -hmm. to hear those things from them, I think is just really makes people feel so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get people that contact you because their dog's fearful or something and they can't figure it out? Yeah, yeah, I do get people who the dog, the cat, they might be having some sort of issues going on. Maybe they have anxiety or some behavior things going on. And what's often very interesting is that so animals are always working with us to help us grow and learn and evolve. And so their behavior is always tied to something that is for us. Yeah. It can seem strange at first. And so sometimes it can run the gamut of, the dog could be anxious reflecting that the person is very anxious. (laughs) So there's a lot of tension or anxiety in the household. Mm -hmm. And so the dog or the cat, I remember this once with a a cat, the cat was urinating Mm -hmm. a lot in places that they did not want the cat to be urinating. (laughs) But the cat was saying very clearly, I do this because there's all of this tension in the home. Yeah. There was just a lot of negative energy around Mm -hmm. things that the cat wanted these humans to work out and it was very clear making message that when you start dealing with this i'm going to start yeah that's really interesting yeah yeah, and so the cat said when you see me going off to do that check your energy and Mm -hmm. it was also about transparency and truth Mm -hmm. that there were these unspoken things going on in that household Mm-hmm. And the cat was trying to get the people to own those things and to bring them out and to be on the table with what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting because for some people, that's a very new concept. But very often when the animal shares what's going on, the client will say, well, yeah, that is actually what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. That, that is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or it kind of runs the gamut. But it, there's always a tie-in to what's going on personally and what's going on with the animal. And it's part of why when I do my readings, I start with a connection to the human and we do a reading on what's going on with them, what's coming up as I tune in to their energy. And sometimes that can be surprising too, because people thought, well, I thought we were just going to do the animal. And the reason why I start that way is for this reason is because they're always working with us in very particular ways. And Mm -hmm. When we first connect with the human and get what's going on, then when we bring your animal in, there's always a tie into what's happening in their life and your life. So Mm -hmm. it makes the reading just that much deeper and better and able to really help both of you, which I think that's the goal, right? It's the family unit, as I'll say. I remember having a really challenging dog. It was a Vishla. I had always had Vishlas, but this particular one, Sugar, was a lot of work. He was alpha male and he didn't like all dogs. And before him, I can remember feeling like when kids were out of control or having a temper tantrum and the parent could never control them. I remember thinking, why can't you get that child to stop? You know, I remember thinking it was a parental problem, really. And it wasn't until I had this dog that no matter what I did, he was embarrassing me. He was out of control. It really meant I stopped really judging parents that couldn't control their kid. And I recognize that we can do everything right and still have 
someone we love or something we love fall apart. And so he was really that lesson for me to never judge another parent and then also to be aware of my energy when I was walking him because he was very protective of me. So if I always said, I'm safe, I feel confident and calm, he was less likely to be aggressive. But man, he was so much work. (laughs) But I felt like he was in my life to teach me those lessons anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And so so intuitive of you to you kind of picked right up on, you know, what, what he was really trying to teach you. Right, right. Well, I just was like, well, why is this dog in my life? <laughs> because yeah. I'm a disciplinarian, typically. I just like for dogs and people to know what to do that's right. So when he was doing everything wrong, I really felt out of control. And then you just have to relinquish control and realize we're all doing the best we can. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing that I I notice about animals is that, and my dog has done this too, is that the thing that you would like them to do is very often the thing that they're not doing. (laughs) Exactly. What is going on with this? Because we've had issues with our our little dog. It's like you just want them to do this or that, and they're not. And. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, who has the problem here? Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They are here to teach us a lesson, even if it's a lesson in love. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share about your client stories or messages that you've received over the years? Mainly the point I wanted to make about animals and what they're doing for us, we've covered, which is just that they're always here to help us. They're more evolved and they see the truth and the light with things and they're trying to help us do that too. And Mm -hmm. I know that we're never blessed to have them as long as we would like to. And so I would just encourage people that remember when their time is up that they haven't really left Mm -hmm. and that they're still going to be there helping you. And that connection is going to continue forever because it's in your heart. I think those are the things that people really, really want to know when they reach out. And so I would just love to assure anybody who's wondering that their animal's okay. They're on the other side. They don't hold any judgment for anything that has happened. And they're with you still. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important to communicate with them all the time because I do think they're more evolved and they are communicating telepathically with you. And when I go to a barn, I am always talking to the horses and like, what do you have to say to me? What message do you have for me? And it might seem crazy, but I always have this knowing and I always feel like I'd leave knowing things I didn't know when I first went to the barn. And same thing with my dogs. I'm Mo is sick with cancer. I'm always saying to her, you're safe with me. You're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. It's all going to work out. Just so that she feels safe and protected. Sometimes people say these negative things they think are funny to dogs. And I'm like, don't call them that. (laughs) Because I do feel like they are sensitive and they don't realize they really do understand what you're saying. Yeah, and the point you made about the horses, I was blessed to do two different equine workshops working with horses, and they're magnificent with 
what they can bring to people to help Mm -hmm. them work through issues. But also the technique you were saying about just asking what message they had, really we can do that with any animal, domestic Mm -hmm. or wild. So that is a point too that I think um, sometimes surprises people. But if you have a neighborhood squirrel who's always doing antics in your yard, (laughs) there's always something that maybe you're in a mood and you look out the window and every time you see the squirrel, you lighten up for a minute and you just start laughing because he's ridiculous. That's not just some weird random thing. That's purposeful. Right. And so right. I would say just to have your eyes open for those types of things because mm-hmm. they're always uh, offering us something. It's just a matter of if we're there to listen and see it and hear it. But they're always offering us something. Yeah, it was interesting. My cousin passed away and I had just gotten the news. And that same day, I had run down a path in the woods and had to get my dog because she had fallen behind. And I rolled my ankle because the rocks were underneath all the leaves. And I just started limping back to the car or whatever. Well, it turned out that I broke my ankle and it had ballooned up three times the size. So I was working on my computer thinking I've got to go deal with the broken ankle. And All of a sudden, I saw this massive deer walking through the river while I was on my computer because I live on the river. And it was walking and bobbing up and down, bobbing up and down. And then I saw it get to the other side and it was limping. It had hurt the same foot. (laughs) So I was like, I wonder if that's a little message. Slow it down. But thank you so much. Your information and insight on animals and just living life is so helpful. Is there any way that our audience can get in touch with you if they have any questions or want to use your services? Yeah, I'll give you my website. That's the best way to reach me. And that's jenniferjoswiak.com. So that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-J-O-Z-W-I-A-K.com. Mm-hmm. That would be the place to start. And she has a lot of great blog information about ways to communicate with animals or just insight about life that I think is really helpful. So hopefully everyone will check that out. And I really want to thank you for your time, Jennifer. This has been so helpful. Thanks so much, Mary Kay, for having me on. I had a great time talking with you. So thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Try to find a comfortable place to sit or relax and if you have a pet nearby it would be helpful to just be cuddled with this beautiful animal dog or cat or whatever you live with and pet its fur pet its little face try to connect with its energy And just repeating, I am safe, you are safe, I am well-loved, you are well-loved. And take a deep breath in, inhaling, counting to four, one, two, three, four. Hold the breath for four, three, two, one. Now exhale, one, two, three, four. And see if you can press more air out for four, three, two, one. Now big inhale, filling your body with all that positive healing energy. Exhale and letting go of any tension or toxic energy. 
You know, even drinking a soda or thinking a negative thought or gossiping can bring in negative energy. So as you inhale, bring in all the positive, beautiful energy. And as you exhale, release any of that toxic energy. Let it go. It's leaving your body. With every exhale, I release all negativity from my body. Breathe in and breathe out. Relax the muscles in your face. Your eyes soften your teeth. Notice the earth pressing into your back, the back of your head, your hips. Whatever you're pressing into, notice the points of contact between your body and the earth or the floor. And are you ever wondering, are some people born under a lucky star or some kind of charm which enables them to have all that they desire? And if not, what's the difference when people don't seem to have all they desire? If you're always thinking, gee, I wish that were mine, or I want the latest jewelry fashion, or the cool clothes, recognize that like all these material things mean nothing in the big picture of the world. Take a deep breath in, inhaling all that positive, beautiful energy, and exhale. And first, know what you want. Train your mind, the mind you use every day, to decide definitely upon the things or the conditions you desire. And that'll be your first big step into accomplishing or securing exactly what you want. It's just as easy to repeat positive mantras as it is to worry about negative things. The mantra is very powerful because it gives the mind something to focus on. And where you focus is what you're going to attract. When we're focusing on being positive or being calm, the mind can no longer worry or freak out. It has a purpose. So if you're on the highway and you say, okay, I'm going to look for red cars, you'll start seeing a million red cars everywhere and wonder why you're seeing so many. Your mind is attracting what you think. Just like a positive, uplifting mantra focuses your thoughts, 
so do the negative anxious thoughts. So getting what you want is no more mysterious than just tuning into the radio waves all around you. Tune in correctly and you get the result you want. You are a mighty power. Be conscious of your thoughts. Occasional wishing or half-hearted wanting will not give you what you want. You must be sincere and truthful in desiring certain conditions or things. If your mind is facilitating what you usually only wish for things, then you won't get your wish. Start to imagine you're just wandering among the clouds now. And as you're wandering among the clouds, you might be petting your animal next to you. See if there's any type of spirit animal that comes into your mind. Any animal you feel a connection with. And now just ask this animal, what is it that you're here to learn? And see if they come up with an answer. See if something just pops in your head that you're here to learn this. And then start asking the animals around you, what is it I need to learn? Now allow your neck and shoulders to relax. Your arms feel loose and heavy. Your hips feel heavy sinking deeper and deeper into this peaceful, calm state of relaxation and serenity. And remember to attract what you want through your thoughts. And also accept the accomplishments that you've already achieved with thankfulness and happiness. You can always have what you want, but you have to take everything that comes with it. And whatever you're planning to want, to attract, make sure it's for the greatest good for yourself and for everyone here on Earth. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.